Aloha, Warriors. Wanted to stop in for a minute before I pass you off to our conversation that we had. I posted on Facebook about this, and I also um, just, you know, a handful of people have told about this episode. This was a very scary uh, episode for me to release. In particular, um, you know, I you'll understand why once you actually listen to the content, but I would really strongly ask that you listen to this episode with an open mind. Um, I say that at the top of the episode and it wasn't until I went back and I listened to the episode in entirety. Uh, you know, I I do actually listen to this stuff before we post it. Um, (laughs) but I, it wasn't until I went back and listened to it that I, I got the courage to, uh, to share it with you. And you'll understand why once you get into it. Um, we talk about faith, and we talk about religion, and we talk about trust, and we talk about all the things that kind of go into um, following a particular way of things. And uh, Josh and I have been friends for a long time. I used to hang out with him way back in the day, and uh, he couldn't be a better friend. Uh, I love that guy to death, and I'd do pretty much anything for him. Um. And so I uh, just just really recognize there might be some shorthand in there, but it's a, a, the whole goal of the conversation um, was to talk about what's different, what's unique in our experiences. And the reason why I decided to post it is the same reason I decided to have the conversation, is cultivating an adventure mind, an adventurer's spirit is so much more than surfing or martial arts or uh, mountain biking or um, being a champion or um, narrating books or you know any of the, the types of people that we've had on here or anything, the things that I do. It's about doing those things that will cultivate strength and courage. And how do you cultivate strength and courage? You do difficult and scary things. Exploring what you believe, why you believe, the consequences of not believing anymore, all of that is an extremely scary thing to explore. And the scary thing is, is when you listen to my perspective and the words that I say during the show, there was a fear I had of if I released this episode that I would lose people and I would lose my ability to have influence and encourage other people because they would be offended by something I said about religion. Now, I say a lot of offensive stuff on this podcast not going out of my way to be an asshole, but, you know, I do say things that bother people or are bothered by the fact that I talk about my use of cannabis or drinking or um, the fact that I love gay people. They, people people are uh, oftentimes their hackles get raised over the stupidest shit. But sometimes people also get angry about stuff that matters to them. And so, um, (laughs) 
I guess you'll understand why I was concerned about people of the faith uh, that I come from or that I have come through if you, the well, wow, the larger wide net of uh, Christian Christendom, uh, both conservative, extreme liberal. I could easily see, uh, you know, I've had my identity as a Christian for many years. I teach and have taught martial arts to people that are conservatively Christian and people who I love deeply. Guardian Kempo Kajuko Do, my primary martial arts system, has a decidedly Christian foundation, philosophically speaking. You can understand then, at least I hope you can understand why, to me, it would be scary to release an episode talking so frankly about my own doubt. And I'm not going to get into the details of my doubt. I'll make you listen to the episode. So thank you for listening. Thank you for having an open mind. Um, And, you know, sometimes we are going to have these little departures from the usual, you know, kickboxing champion like Tiffany uh, Van Soost or uh, badass surfer like Chaka Charles Webb, you know, or, um, you know, all the different people we've had on. So, uh, you know, it part part of the adventure mind spirit, the adventure mind ethic is doing the difficult and scary. And that means having hard conversations, exploring scary topics. And sometimes truth, even the truth of doubt, the reality that people are imperfect, for a lot of people, that's scary. For a lot of us, it's difficult to admit our insecurities and our shortcomings and the areas in which we are not so sure. There's one last thing I got to make sure I mention ahead of this podcast that, you know, the main part of it. Uh, my talk uh, openly, if briefly, about being an adult survivor of child abuse. And I, I am. And I did, I was thinking back and I was listening to the to the recording, which is why I'm glad, actually, um, makes sure or makes me sure that we are giving you quality listening. Um, but I made mention of it briefly, of my experience with uh, being a victim of child abuse. And the way I talk about it, it is possible to interpret it incorrectly. Um, I want to be super 100% clear. My mother, my biological mother who raised me mostly herself, did not abuse me at all. Uh, My father uh, did not abuse me. I did get into, um, I mean, the, the person who was the main perpetrator of the abuse that I experienced, so there were a few others, but um, was my stepmother, my dad's second wife. And Oddly enough, I don't have a lot of hate for her anymore. Uh, I still, not really one of my favorite people, but that's a whole other discussion I'm not ready to get into. Um, At best, my um, dad might have been complicit in terms of his not stopping it. But um, my dad never hit me. My dad is is a good man. He's imperfect, uh, just like we all are. And 
um, he is not responsible for what my stepmother did to me. She is. And I do not ever want to give an impression that somebody is guilty of something they are not. And so um, I I really wanted to be careful that you didn't listen to this and think my biological mother or my biological father uh, abused me. They didn't. They both love me very much, and I have a good relationship with both of them still to this day. Uh, So uh, this is not a go look up my stepmother and harass her. I'm not asking you to do that. If you figure out who she is, just just leave it alone. But I didn't want any of you to think that my parents, uh, even though they split up and my dad later remarried, the woman who did abuse me, I didn't want you hating them for something they didn't do. And, uh, you know, even, even my stepmother is imperfect. So I'll leave it at that. And, uh, thank you for listening. Thank each and every one of you for being a part of this adventure mind movement. I think I might want to do another episode in the future. Maybe, maybe if you guys would like that, if you guys would like me to go and do an episode where I talk about more about why I do this, um, then, you know, send me an email. Joshua at adventuremind.net. And, uh, you know, feel free to give me a follow on Twitter at Servant Warrior, S E R V A N T W A R R I O R. You can look me up on Facebook. I may or may, not, may or may not accept your friend request, but you can hit me up there. Uh, Facebook.com slash Joshua the Jedi is my fan page for me personally. And then, of course, Joshua the Jedi on Instagram. So I never give out that contact info. But uh, I'm I'm happy to engage with you guys. If you guys have any issues or you're offended or angry about this about this episode, let me know. Maybe we'll get somebody on to have a different uh, perspective. We'll see. But in any case, thank you for listening. I love all of you uh, for investing in the time to listen to these episodes. And uh, without further ado, me and my buddy Josh Wolfer. Aloha Warriors, Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, the aspiring servant warrior. I have with me, again, Mr. Josh Wolfer, and we're going to make some people love us and some people hate us and just be honest. And uh, so my, my only request is that you guys have an open mind. I don't know where we're going with entirely. I have a vague idea, but just please listen with an open mind is all I'm asking. And part of that whole adventure mind thing is... Being willing to confront the truth, experience the truth, even if it makes you uncomfortable. So what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, I, I'm good, dude. Uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I figure, you know, if worst case scenario, if you don't like the conversation, you know so much stuff about me that uh, you can, you know, of course, I don't have to publish it, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we... we uh, I, we'll we'll talk about all kinds of stuff. You got anything going on? You doing any like uh, project just while we're up on the top end? Um, no, nah, more uh, more more film stuff. So I'm I'm wrapping up uh, doing the sound and the score on a on an indie short, and I'm about to start up another one. Uh, so that's going good. Um, still not my main gig, but it's a pretty sweet side gig. Sweet, sweet, and and like honestly too, like um, it, it's I was thinking about this before, like when I reached out. Uh, 
literally today because we had some things fall through. Um, some of my uh, some of the people that I enjoy talking to the most, I'm like, yeah, uh, I haven't talked to you in forever. Let's do a podcast, and it's an excuse to finally reach out and talk to people that I would probably prefer to hang out with more often. So it's it's just kind of the way that plays out. Yeah, whatever it takes, man. It's a uh, it's a little hard to meet with people right now. Yeah, yeah, but you know, uh, the coronavirus is a hoax, and because you know somebody knows where they're going when they die, that means they don't have to wear a mask ever. That that's one way of looking at it. I, I, um, I actually that, well, you you, you <laughs> sent me that clip. I think you sent me the clip of the Los Angelinos guys. The, the guys in uh, Huntington Beach, they were asked, would you guys like a free mask? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. When I was listening to that, all I could think of was uh, um, Keanu Reeves. Do you know when the Mongols ruled China? <laughs> like they said, they had the classic like Bill and Ted accent. But my it's- my favorite response, I don't know if it was a dude or a lady because I just repeated it more often times than I've actually like played the clip was, uh, would you like a free mask? I know where I'm going when I die. <laughs> Holy shit. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about religion and our own discomfort with it. But uh, th- there's some genuine threads in here. But Josh and I used to hang out in a uh, not weird youth group at all. No. <laughs> Actually, honestly, yeah, by comparison, yeah. though, if you watch Jesus Camp, ours was pretty, ours was pretty fucking tame. You, you know, I actually have a lot of really fond memories. Um, and it's... I, I think I was fortunate in that the group that we were part of, and I think there are a couple different groups, but for the most part, they were really genuine people. I mean, even if they were crazy misguided, and oh, I'm sure we'll go into some of those <laughs> details. Um, man, some of that is kind of like, it, it seems normal when you're in it, and then like 20 years later, you're like, that was a little fucking weird. But And, and um, the stuff that we got upset <laughs> about. Yeah. Or that like, people uh, got upset about or didn't understand why we were upset. Like, do you remember? Because I used to play bass for the youth group, right? Oh, yeah. And um, there was this guy, and I I, I actually really still – I haven't talked to Aaron in forever, but there was – and I can talk about it because it, it made the news in Santa Cruz. There was a guy, uh, Aaron Birch, we used to hang out with um, back in the day up in Santa Cruz, and uh, he was in the punk scene – and he was a he was a fun guy. He he had a lot of energy, but he kind of skirted around the uh, the the white pride side of things. And he was probably, if there's a way to be a nice, like kind of Nazi like skinhead dude, he'd kind of fall into that category, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know how else to describe because he was he was a really fun guy, and even even knowing that neither of us are full white either. Yeah, so it's it's funny that you bring that up. Actually, I haven't thought about this in a long time. So, but you know where I'm. You know the story I'm going to in a minute. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. You go, no, go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so I something was wrong with my bass, or I didn't have a bass. No, I think they just needed somebody to play bass for some reason, and I was there, and I was willing to do it. And uh, and I, and I played bass most of the time for because it was basically on the Tuesday nights we had we do like you know some some church songs and we'd kind of play a game and we'd have a lesson and you know do different things or whatever and they didn't tell me until after i was already i think i don't think the the kind of service part had started 
but we were doing the sound check and running through all the songs. And uh, I think you actually were the one that said, uh, why do you have an iron cross on your bass, Josh? <laughs> I'm like, fucking what? <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, dude, like, I, I was pretty conservative back then in a lot of respects, but I was not down with racism at all, even yeah. the hint of it. And the thing is, is that nobody thought to tell me. And the thing is, it's like, and I don't think they were, it's like, oh, at the time I was like, well, I didn't, if I would have known it was on here, I wouldn't have worn it. I wouldn't have played it, but they didn't tell me it was because I was blind. You know, maybe they didn't even think about it. It was the combination of the blind thing plus the not being down with racism and the fact that they didn't. And then this, I think this might've even been the same night that I just wanted to leave and uh, gosh, what was her name? Pam? Was there a chick named Pam there? Uh, my my oh, recollection is so horrible. I know, it, it's <laughs> the woman who may have been known as Pam. Okay, who may or may not have been known Pam. Um, uh, basically, I was, you know, I was thin, but I was wiry. And um, I didn't like hurting people, though. And basically, I took the uh, the bus to... Scotts Valley Bible Church, which is where we were, by myself, even blind, and everybody thought that was weird. I don't know why. Um, gosh darn it! You can't have a sixteen-year-old blind guy going by himself. So, like, because I was the only person that came there by myself, sometimes didn't have my parents get me drop me off. I tried to leave because I was so pissed off at it, and I didn't want to be around anybody. She didn't let me leave the fucking church, and I would have had to beat her up to leave. Yeah, I do remember this. And nobody understood why I was mad. Yeah. Um, And the thing is, this was not a racist church. No, not at all. Like, in fact, they were pretty open, and we had at least a couple people that were of color there. I know uh, it was Lisa and her sister and stuff, and we had a few mm-hmm. other people or whatever that were there. But it was just like, what? And it's not the weirdest thing that happened there, but that was – yeah. Just the, the cognitive dissonance of you came here by yourself, but you can't leave until this is over. Like, what? Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> who knows? I mean, it's probably like, you know, legal liabilities. I guess. Like, oh, my God. We can't let you go. But I came, by, trouble, I came but there by myself I, anyway. That was the thing I, I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, that whole situation is kind of odd because it's kind of like a contradiction. Um, and the whole, you know, white white pride thing. And what I mean by that is I remember, uh, so for a, for a little while, I was dating Aaron's little sister. And, you know, <laughs> the as, conversations as you mentioned, we got into there, dude, holy shit. I <laughs> know. Uh, and so, but, you know, I'm, I'm well, I'm half, well, I thought I was half Puerto Rican. I'm really half Portuguese, which is another fun story. Yeah. Um, uh, th- uh, yeah. What is it? 23 and me or whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. yeah genetic you testing. You learn a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't think. Uh, my favorite is the guy who was like an out, like really outspoken, speaking of racism, outspoken white supremacist. And it came back that he was like some giant percentage sub-Saharan African. And he tried yes. to say that it was a faulty test. <laughs> I, I, I love irony. It's, <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, but so I was, I was dating his little sister for a little while and I was concerned about it. I remember, I'm pretty sure you were there with me too. 
because he was, was it at like, youth group or something? Or, yeah, and yeah, and he wanted to talk to me, and I was legitimately. Oh like, yeah, he thought he was going to kick your ass. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because he, uh, I mean, he was a super protective big brother. Super, and and uh, he was actually pretty like honestly, it's weird because he was very much a white pride guy, but it's hard because we we weren't the the targets, I guess. But, but he, like that, he was a nice white pride guy. I, so that 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 was a weird thing. Is that so? He hit me up and he's like, you know, I want to know what your intentions are with my sister. And I you know I gave the good little Christian boy response, which is like, I have the faithful intentions. No sex before marriage. I, I am. I think I'm in love with her. And please don't kill me. Um, <laughs> and he was almost shocked that I would think that he was going to hurt me. And he was like, why do you think I'm going to hurt you? I'm like, well, because I'm half Puerto Rican. And the response was really interesting. And I'm going to use words that people don't like. Um, so please understand yep. And again, this, this, please, context matters. If you think context doesn't matter, then honestly, you might as well not listen to the show ever again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I shouldn't even have to say it, but you kind of have to nowadays. But anyway, I, I'm going to repeat what was said. I'm not endorsing what was said. Um, and so his, his response was that he didn't hate black people. He said that to be niggardly meant that you were black in heart and that he follows the, the real definition of the, of the word nigger, which is black in heart and anybody can be black in heart. And it was just the weirdest statement to me, especially when, uh, you know, you, you've seen somebody and, you know, you're listening to like Nazi rock and things like that. It's just, it was, it was strange. It was almost like a, I don't know. I don't know if cognitive dissonance is the right term for it, but no, it was just, I think it that's, was strange. That, that fits because cognitive, it's the same vein of thinking that, um, gosh, I mean, I, there's so many different things. It's hard to kind of bring them up, but dude. Okay. So they had a, well, we'll, we'll come back to it, but it reminds me of the thing that happened with the junior high pastor there. And why he was asked to leave. I don't recall Evolution which one that, thing? The, oh, the science thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll, Actually, let, we'll, we'll let you finish the story. Yeah. We'll swing back to it. And oh, we'll, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. We, we've, we've pivoted. Okay. Uh, we've, we've now gone from church to racism. <laughs> and back, What's up next? <laughs> well, so this is the thing I want you guys to, to kind of consider. Um, and I think Josh and I are on the same page, which is why even though he and I actually come at this religion thing a little bit differently, he and I can come to – can have a respectful thing on this level is um, I think you and I, Josh, both agree that reality is objective even if our perception of it, it is – you know, like our experience and perception of reality is different than reality itself. Would you agree yes. with that? Uh, very much so. I, I think it's it's very complicated. I think that in a lot of ways, perception is reality because if you believe right, it's your own be, personal experience and how you, and how you interpret the context of events and and the, what uh, they mean and yeah. One, one thing that always trips me up about not any specific religion, but a lot of religions that they is that they think they have the uh the market on truth and they'd like to throw the word the truth around a lot and i always found that funny because you know truth seems to change a lot based on our understanding based on uh you know various things so well uh, but yes i'm, I'm long-windedly agreeing with you <laughs> well and 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 well i think it's good to have a common reference point because like the the thing that i've grown to 
I mean, because you remember when you and I were hanging out and doing the church thing, I was way more conservative in, in, a, in a sort of mm-hmm. almost dogmatic way. Um, and and we can get into why that, that was a little bit, I guess. But like the uh, the the thing is, is that we don't know how much we have it right and how much we don't. Mm-hmm. Even when it comes to things like, um, you, you know, biblical interpretation, right? Like if you, if you, if you, let's say we're working on a, you know, conservative viewpoint uh, thing where, you know, they believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God and, 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 you know, basically there's, there's no problem with the Bible. Even if you're going to go with that conservative uh, interpretation, which is, you know, there, there's some very reasonable people that I love and respect mm-hmm. that have that interpretation. Yep, that's and that's how I grew right. up. Now the uh, thing is, Bible's literal. Well, and here's here's the thing, though, right? The Bible in that orientation would be the Word of God, but does that mean we're interpreting the Bible correctly? And not not even talking translation. I'm not talking translation, whether we use the correct word or not, but what the context means. What does it mean in in terms of what's prescriptive? How does it apply? That is, even in extremely conservative circles, should be up for an evolving understanding. Because if it isn't, any wacky interpretation of Scripture, you can claim and say, oh, that's what the Bible says. If you can't read, you don't agree with me, you you just don't know how to read the Bible. Like, Jesus is no respecter of persons. I'm supposed to be just like Jesus, therefore I shouldn't respect you. You're you're touching on <laughs> one of my my biggest I don't, I don't want to say criticism but my biggest issues with um, a lot of religions but Christianity specifically. Well, that's is the one just, you experience the most. I mean, well, yeah. Like, so you know. of, of course, I'm going to have a strongest opinion about that. Um, but the the idea that you know you have a scapegoat, you have this Deus ex machina that you can always rely on, which is if anything doesn't work the way you want it or work the way you understand it, you've got your scapegoat. It's God is mysterious, or we're just too dumb to understand it, or, you know, we'll, we'll learn later. And so there's always an out. Well, you can always have a, a reasoning loophole, like a, an escape hatch. And that did not vibe for me very well. Well, and, and here's the, the irony of that is, is, at least to me, I don't know if irony is even the right word, but like the people say, oh, well, you just don't understand yet. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is, maybe you don't understand yet, and and so your like intensity and dogmatic response about I- issue X, Y, or Z is missing information. Yeah. Like like like, and and people kind of like to like, and and I was thinking about Glenn in particular. Um. It, Glenn was so it, when the church got big enough, um, they split up the junior high uh, kids and the high school kids, and and Josh was yeah I mean like well, the other Josh obviously like we're <laughs> enough apart that I was in high school for a little while while you were still in middle school or yep. middle school age anyway because you you know basically got out of school when you were fourteen took a high school whatever <laughs> but. Um, the dude, you had the dopest junior high uh, leader, like pastor or whatever the, the proper term is. Yeah, there, there were a few of them. But I'm really, specifically thinking of yeah. Glenn ba- Baxter yeah. in particular. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, I don't know if he wants me using his full name, but whatever. Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> well, so side, very quick side story. I actually found him on uh, LinkedIn and reached out recently a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, dude. Um, and he responded. Uh, and we, so we reconnected for a second. Dude, which was, that's really cool. Super awesome. I, I did not think I was going to ever be in contact with him again. So that was that was pretty cool. So they, they put so much like genuine, sincere love in and helping these kids kind of guide them in life and, and stuff. I mean, I, I was already too old for like kind of the group, but I, I had I mean, they did like a Super Bowl party and I came over for that. And I was around Glenn. I think did he come with us to Mexico or no? Uh, I want, or was that just before we went to Mexico? I don't think he was at, at either of the Mexico trips. I don't. I don't think so. Okay, but in, in any case, um, but Glenn, Glenn was rad, even though I didn't yeah. direct with, interact with him directly. Um, so he was super rad. Um, and I'm sorry, I keep derailing. No, you a little it's bit. fine. The only reason um, I'm going to say is like because I, I, I basically came into the group because I was originally friends with Josh's older brother, and so, but then later on, Josh and I ended up becoming better friends. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you were talking yeah, about Glenn and, and just all the, the rad stuff yeah, he did for the kids. Yeah, some of the stuff that he would do uh, was just really cool. Um, he was very, very much into science um, through and through. And um, he would take us up to, I believe it was Fremont Peak, which had a giant telescope. Um, and so we'd go up there and he'd teach us about astronomy and we'd see some uh, incredible things. And it was just really fascinating how much time, like I, I look back at that. And I think about how much I just don't really like kids. And I'm like, I could never do that. I mean, I like teaching people things. <laughs> sure. so I, guess, I guess saying I don't like kids is a little. Well, but I mean, you're not but, like oriented toward to dealing with, you know, 20 obnoxious middle schoolers all at once. Yeah. Like I, I like, 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 I like, you, like you're a decent uncle, learn, but like you were a big influence for your nieces and stuff, but like, and, and you were good to your little brother as he was growing up, but that's different than, okay, cool. I'm going to like volunteer to help out. 20 kids all at the same time. Yeah. It takes a special kind of person. And so, yeah, that was, that was the kind of stuff you do. Like you said, we had us over for football. Um, Funny enough. He was uh, a gamer too, actually. He was, was, that was the other side of it. Yeah. He had an N64 that happened to have a doom cartridge in it, which was amazing. (laughs) um, Cause it was the forbidden fruit of my youth. <laughs> I remember, see you guys don't understand those of you who aren't as old as as Josh and I like Doom was a big deal. Doom was like the devil game. Like and and if you were to go back and look and we're not talking the newer Doom. We're talking about you go back and you find let's play footage of the original Doom series. It's, it's kind of a dark thing, I guess I get but it's anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it was not just dark, but the the satanic theme scared the shit out of people. Even though you were actually fighting demons, that's the irony. Um, and and this brings up, I guess, point number two of the the challenges I have with a lot of religions is that it, uh, people are scared of things that they don't understand. Like, for example, yep. in Doom. You play a space marine, a hellgate opens up, and you you have to basically destroy all the demons. 
Sounds like a great thing if you're a Christian to me. Doesn't sound I mean, a whole you are lot literally... different than the uh, <laughs> Christianized versions of it, War in Heaven, which actually is less Christian if you actually yeah. follow theology. But I mean, you're you're essentially doing the Lord's work. I mean, now, sure, you're not, you know, using the power of Christ to compel them, but, uh, you know, shotgun isn't <laughs> quite nice reference. Know, cross, but, <laughs> um, but the idea that there were things like pentagrams in it was enough to make people lose their mind. And it's context, just like we just talked about. Context matters. So even if you are, say, you believe that the devil is real and he does all these things and he's horrible, he's the, the, the anti-God, if you understand the, the game, you realize, okay, well, it's silly because you're killing demons with a shotgun. But it's not something that I should be scared of my soul over because you're not, it's not like you're participating in the evil. Well, and that does go back to a thing. So just to lay it out... Pretty directly is I am, by my strict definition, still a Christian, probably, in the sense that <laughs> – well, I say probably because I have significant doubt, which we can get into at, at some point. But essentially, I believe in God. I believe Jesus exists. I believe uh, – as much as I believe anything, I believe Jesus is you know, the the – method by which I can have a communication with God. That I'm struggling with some aspects of that, but as far as placing my faith in Jesus, that's the core aspect of it. Um, and according to Christian theology, the strict definition of, of fairly orthodox Christian theology, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you have accepted the gift of salvation, nothing else should be able to keep you from being from going to heaven and, and being with God. Yep. That's the stated uh, way of it, but when it actually gets played out in practice, oh, don't listen to cranberries because they say, "God damn it!" <laughs> don't, oh, yes, don't the Lord's name in vain. Which, quite honestly, <laughs> I, I'm kind of thinking about this whole God, Lord God's name in vain. How about you not say Jesus fifty million times? And Jesus, we just want you to bless this time. Like, I mean, I get it. Sometimes that's genuine, but come on, you guys. Maybe and, maybe actually like live it out instead of just say praise Jesus all the time. Maybe there's a little bit more to that whole thing of, of God's and, name in vain. And and that's my challenge, especially growing up, is that um, I'm fairly intelligent and I like to nitpick because I'm really into the details and not not to be an asshole. Though well, sometimes, I'll do. That's you know, why, I, I, I mean, be. your day job is is um, managing like like networks and security and stuff. I mean, you yeah, have to be it in order to be able to do that kind of work. Yeah. Extremely detail oriented. And so I, I naturally tear things apart in my mind. Like I want to know how they work. Um, I, I've learned a long time ago that my brain just works a little differently um, from other people's and not so differently from other people. Um, but so I always want to know how something works and why it works. And so I would almost start fights growing up because people would say, you know, don't use the Lord's name. And I would say, uh, that's not a name, that's a title. God is a title, not a name. And it would just piss people <laughs> off. Like, and, and yes, I guess when I'm, you know, 15 you're or being, 16, you were kind I'm of enjoying being a, it. You're being a little bit of a punk ass. I mean, let's yeah, be real. totally. I'm, I'm not going to say that there was no punk assery involved. But in a, in a way, it is a legitimate statement. Like, okay, so explain to me why you feel the difference. And... I'm okay if we disagree, but I want to know why. Like, I want you to have a reason for thinking what you think, not just to arbitrarily think or, or do something. Yeah. Um, 
and I could argue either way. Like me personally, I could argue how that could apply or could not apply. At this point, I just don't have a, you know, a leg in that race. Like it's not my, not my issue to take. Well, and, and so to that end, going back to thinking about the whole Glenn situation, which was really fucked up, honestly, is where you, you talk about how amazing this guy was for, for the kids. And, and made, I mean, like, assuming I'm not speaking out of turn here, like you were, you went through some darker periods at that time, especially considering how conservative your, um, your parents were, mm-hmm. you know, and Glenn kind of gave you room to ask questions and tried to give you a reasonable answer. And like you yep. weren't stupid for asking the questions. And then because he didn't hold to the same interpretation of creation, they let him go. Yeah. And that's what, so, and that's what I, I liked about Glenn was that he was very much the same way, very analytical and logical. He's pretty genuine in his face as far as I could tell though. Absolutely. 100% genuine. And so we would have a discussion because, um, you know, I knew he was a scientist and I knew that a lot of people believed in yeah, He was a biologist, I think, right? Or was he, what was his background? Um, astronomy was a big thing that he was part of. I, right, I don't, but I don't know, know what, what his, what actual, I know he was into astronomy, but I didn't know what kind of science he did professionally. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he was a, a developer um, of like computer chips and things like that. Like he worked for a computer chip company. Okay. So he might've been a yeah. computer scientist plus um, like, or physics. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And I, and I think he had like a, a theology degree from Multnomah or something. Like okay. he was a pretty broad guy. Yeah. And you know, the topic came up of, of evolution. And I, of course, being growing up in the church, I'm like, well, evolution's a crock of shit. You know, it doesn't make any sense. How do you get a human from an ape? Blah, blah, blah. Regurgitating everything, you know, I'd, I'd heard. And he was one of the first people to bring up that he said, okay, well, you know, if you look at the science, more things point towards that than anything else. And he, and he was the first person to bring and, the and idea that- And be open that, about it with you for that matter. Yeah. And and he said that, and I said, so uh, what does that mean? Is there no God created existence in six days and rested on the seventh? And that's when he brought up the idea that he thought it was likely analogy. It was or, an or like example. Or an allegory or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. An example of, you know, a story and that if there is any relevance, then, you know, the idea that a day really e- equals a longer period of time, but he was just expressing in a way that his creation could understand. Sure. And that God was likely the catalyst for the evolution, that evolution wasn't anti-Christian. It was just another way that God created. Um, and I, I thought that was fascinating. Um, the other people in church did not. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, it's, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a similar thing when people started talking about, um, you, you remember when the, the Da Vinci Code, which had actually been out for a while, but <laughs> when the Da Vinci Code became a movie and it was like a big deal. Actually, oh, yeah. Actually, maybe it was the book, whatever. Some, I don't know if it was the book, and then it came back around when the movie came out, whatever. But yeah, the book, the book was first. Okay. Um, I remember it vividly because The Da Vinci Code is one of two movies in my life I walked out <laughs> of in the middle of and demanded a, a refund, and I got my money back. <laughs> Not because of your interpretation <laughs> with the premise, but because you thought it was a dumb movie. It was a crap-ass movie. And, and I really like the book. Oh, Even as silly as it is, yeah, I like the book. It sucks, too, because Tom, Tom uh, <laughs> Hanks is a pretty dope actor besides. They, they tried to, like... Like hybrid it with like a beautiful mind and make him like see like mathematics in the sky and I was like oh my god so, anyway so, so the whole the whole thing though <laughs> people were like um you know upset. 
because there was a possibility according and, – and actually, I think the scholarship is actually a little bit flawed, but um, at least the last time I examined it, I might have a different opinion. Now, there was this idea that somehow if Jesus had sex and was married and, and had children, that somehow he wasn't – the Messiah anymore, because you know, according to, to strict understanding, Jesus never sinned. Well, well, there's thirty years of nothing about Jesus in the Bible. So, yeah, well, not thirty. <laughs> there's more like seventeen, but yeah, same deal. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you're great. I'm talking about his yeah. entire. Um, but Sorry. but the, the the whole well, it's okay. Not that I'm a Bible scholar. I just read it more recently. I think. Um, <laughs> the the thing is though is, last I checked. Sex inside a marriage isn't sinful. And unless you're saying that it is, and we should all be celibate, like the Shakers were, uh, and other Christian, like, extreme sects, uh, like, maybe it's not such a big deal. Maybe Jesus having children didn't make him ineligible to be the Messiah. There's no scripture like according to you know that I've ever read anywhere that that necessitates that Jesus was celibate, but it's that same type of thing where you get caught up in a specific interpretation of events, even if there's no actual evidence or anything to support it, even by the source that you claim to be the most important source on the subject. Yeah, and that's that's just it. Is there's a ton and ton and a ton of people who classify themselves as Christian, but have radically different belief systems. And I always found that kind of ironic. If you're all using the same textbook as your guidelines, how is it that so many different people come up with so many different ideas on how to live their life? Many of them pretty reasonable people too. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. You know, most people I think inherently are not assholes. You know, they're looking for <laughs> A way to have a more meaningful life, not a way to screw everybody else over. Uh, not that there's any shortage of those people either. It, it, it does make it difficult. And so I think ours, the, the church that we were involved in together, and sort of our sphere of, of Christian experience and influence was definitely of the more conservative, more not a lot of room for, for discussion. And so I guess, so what happened though with, I, I don't want to go too off far off with Glenn. So you guys get the idea. We, we were kind of the, uh, what's the, the left behind kind of, you know, is, is a really good possibility of interpreting in times events. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of, uh, uh, you know, focus on the family type type stuff. So you, you get the type of church that we were involved in. And ironically, we were like, the goth kids in the yeah, church. Yeah, well, is- <laughs> <laughs> nobody seemed to have a problem with the fact that, like, like you know, like we're painting our nails, and I was wearing a black freaking trench coat, and and nobody gave a sh- shit about that. But you know, as long as you know, but which honestly probably isn't that big. And, and in fact, that actually did make it easier, though. To be fair, I was thinking about this actually is. They were conservative. That was the confusing part is they were really conservative about some things and they were pretty accepting of a lot of the, the stuff you would have expected them to have an issue with. So it, this is not well, an easy look, to, depending on who you talk to, this is not an easy look down memory lane, uh, and, and a simple one anyway, in the sense that not everything is all bad and not everything is all 
yeah, really awesome. At, at the core of it, I don't. I want to be clear. I think that the majority of people are generally pretty decent. Um, which I know almost sounds like too positive for my outlook, but uh, they, they, they really <laughs> do mean well. Sarcastic at all? <laughs> um, I mean, and, you're not right now, but I mean, you generally no, have a sarcastic disposition. <laughs> yeah, but, but like uh, you know, we just talked about, like we were definitely the edgy people in the groups. Um, you know, we both wore our our steel-toed long boots, and we had our trench coats or dusters. I prefer the straps. And you like straps on? Y- yes, uh, but but on my, on my legs and shoulders, not. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I won't, was, I won't I, pay you down on that. I, I remember <laughs> that there was a there was one guy in the church who was he wasn't an elder, but he was a pretty pretty big deal. And you know, I started playing bass guitar for the church. Um, and I saw you play bass. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Maybe I can do that too. Um, and so I started well, playing. Did bass you start for the playing church. after bass after I left? Uh, different around. church. This this was in Watsonville. Okay. Oh, so, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I played bass and had a great time and, and whatnot. And I remember one of the guys came up to me at some point after he'd gotten to know me. And he, like, I don't remember if he apologized or if he was a little teary or something. But he, he says something to the effect of that he judged me when he first met me. And he didn't realize that somebody who looked the way I looked could be a genuine Christian and that it taught him a lesson, which I always thought and was you're, kind you're of interesting. Ro- you had like these sick, like, uh, Dio, I am the one, uh, black leather duster, which I was so fucking jealous of. <laughs> um, and, and you had a few piercings and whatever, you know, it wasn't too ridiculous, but you know, it was, it was a little ridiculous. I mean, I had a two inch labrette spike at one point, <laughs> <laughs> but still it's like, I don't know, man. But yeah. Anyway, but no, I mean, I'm, but I've always been relatively mellow. Like I don't like, you know, shout things in people's faces. Typically, yeah, Well, there's a difference between your, like the way you dress and mm-hmm. that's what, and sure it's reflective, but. But to, yeah. to be fair though, this also was not that much longer after Columbine. So there was like, yeah, the whole that, this is the, con- this is the context that people these days who are say 25 years old might not grasp like Columbine was giant. I remember I walked, I was taking a, um, a shop class at a, like I was, it was just after it happened when I was at like a, like a school to teach blind people how to not be such dumb shits, um, you know, kind of live on their own. And I was taking a shop class. I know they let blind people use drill presses and band saws. I know that's so crazy. <gasps> um, uh, but, uh, and this is the funny thing is my shop teacher actually had a pretty good sense of humor. I walked into shop one day wearing a trench coat and he opened it up and got any shotguns in there, <laughs> which I laughed my ass off. But that was the thing I actually had though, that within that same week I went out and I was getting lessons on, on using a cane, you know, like how to walk and, and not run into stuff as much. And a woman literally saw me. And and the person that was teaching me this stuff told me about it later. She literally saw me, screamed, and ran faster because a guy wearing all black and a trench coat was walking towards her. I believe it. But this was like right after the whole Columbine thing. So but. yeah, and and part of that, I mean, I can't really blame people. Uh, it's it was a culture people didn't understand in the first place, and then something like that happens. Yeah. I, I don't blame them, but I, it is nice to not be judged up front about something. Like maybe get to know me a little bit, yeah, just a tiny bit. <laughs> um, 
So, so yeah, it's it's. So you were talking about this this big the elderish guy. Oh yeah, you finished. You finished. Never mind. My bad. Yep. So, and then I think uh, also one thing I want to kind of be clear on up front too, because I think um, having me on on the podcast being kind of counter, not really counterpoint, but but, but well, you know, you're, you're, you've view. arrived at a different, slightly different interpretation yeah, than I have. I think I think a lot of people um, will assume I'm an atheist and I'm a possibly even a hardcore atheist. And uh, I'll just clarify that up front. When I think about it, I like I like the Richard Dawkins scale of his seven points of atheism or whatever. And essentially it goes from all the way from, I have no idea, or I'm sorry, it goes from there absolutely is a God to somewhere in the middle where we don't know and can't know to there absolutely is not a God. And, and I think it's an important distinction because somebody who 100% believes that there is no God holds a different viewpoint than somebody that says, most likely there's absolutely no God, most likely. Because there's just a little yeah. nuanced difference there. And if I was to classify myself in a scale, I would say that there is probably not a God. But if there is a God, I don't think we understand it or him or her whatsoever. I think we've totally fucked that up. Um, but I'm not completely close to the idea. I definitely don't think I have, you know, the, the, the closed market on origins or meaning of life or anything like that. I just haven't seen enough of anything that really points me to a solid answer beyond, well, we're here and I don't know how we got here. <laughs> and, and I think, and this is the tricky part for me. This is, um, I, I went through periods. Sorry. No, that's a fine dude. It's like, oh, you, you must you die on your own time. <laughs> Damn right. Um, <laughs> How, how fucked up would it be if, like, you're talking about, yeah, there probably isn't a God, and you die while we're recording the podcast? Yes. Um, yes, that, w- that would be, again, irony. I like it. <laughs> would not be the worst way for me to no, go. No, it would be like, it, I, I could, it, it's something I would expect in, like, a Kevin Smith movie. Totally. And then, if, and then you get there, and you're like, Alanis? Um, you gotta watch Red State, man. It's a great Kevin Smith movie. Um, I love it. If you want to watch a disturbing Kevin Smith movie, watch no, Tusk. No, Tusk. no, no, Tusk. no, never watch that movie. Oh, God. God. Oh, why did I do it? Why did I watch it to the end? Uh, yeah, if seriously, you guys don't watch Tusk, and let, although do watch Yoga Hosers, which they. Um, anyway, uh, I love bad movies. Like Jesus Christ, Vampire Slayer, the worst movie. That's the best worst movie. Well, Tusk and he, and, it's just no. And, and here's the thing, right? With with when it coming back, bringing it back around full. We're, there's going to be a lot of rabbit trails here, folks. Uh, um, the the with thinking about like even appreciating the value of, right? Um, that there is this different perspective and the reasonableness, or even the art of somebody you don't agree with. You know, talking about like Tusk or talking about even, um, yeah, I remember getting like, I, okay, I'm trying to think back how to put this. So when I first started hanging out with, um, I met Josh through Josh's brother, Luke, and I was in high school and Josh or uh, Luke was, I think two years ahead of me or something like that. And 
uh, we started playing music together and, and Josh was probably about the same amount younger than me than I am from his brother. I was like right yep. in between. And um, so I was Catholic at the time and I was kind of into the Catholic thing. And I was also kind of for, well, at, at one point I was kind of in the Satanism thing too. While being Catholic, that's don't level of complicated. I'm not anymore uh, either Catholic or Satanic in my perspective. Um, but when it came right, when I finally was like, Satanism's dumb and I kind of dig the God thing. And I, I actually had, I believe a genuine uh, hallelujah moment, if you will. And uh, I got really zealous about my faith in a good way in some respects, but I was also hanging out with, with Josh's brother who was super almost, <laughs> gosh, how do you put it? Um, basically if, if it didn't match up with his, the way he thought it was, then it wasn't good. And so we went through this whole thing where, um, after I became more serious about my, my Christian faith in quotes, I guess, um, I actually ended up leading the Catholic church after I had this moment, although my kind of hallelujah moment was while I was still Catholic, um, in the Catholic church, actually, we went through this thing where he basically looked at all my CDs Crap, crap, crap. You know, basically point basically every single CD that wasn't like Christian rock or like like not offensive was I should probably get rid of that. Yep. And so for years. I mean, I got a lot of strength. And and so this is a really thing. I haven't really talked about this too much. There's a I love music, a whole range of music. And um like there's a giant gap in my awareness of popular music because from about 1996 till about 2000 something early 2000s like 2001 2000 somewhere in there 2002 I felt guilty about liking much of what we refer to in Christian circles as secular music. Yep. And yep. same exact experience. And, and so, and I, unfortunately when we were hanging out, I would actually get kind of judgmental with you for some of the bands you were listening to. And it was yeah, really interesting, you know, which is ironic because I would be judgmental towards other people about <laughs> the music. <laughs> right. Like listening there was to. a gradation of, of what was acceptable, yeah. you know, well, you could like, um, you know, this punk band, because they were explicitly Christian, but you can't like the new MXPX album because it's not Christian enough. And, you know, it's, it's so, yeah, so dumb. It's, it's, it's a holy competition. And at somewhere high up uh, on that chain, it's I'm holier than you. You shouldn't listen to music that has distortion on it because distortion is unpure. Or you shouldn't listen to something that has dissonance well, you, because it, dissonance is of the devil. And, well, and, and, and I remember my favorite – I wish I remember – if somebody actually said this to us or if we were watching this or whatever, but we were basically talking about like Christian rock, mind you, we're not talking about Nirvana and Nine Inch Nails and uh, Glenn Danzig and uh, no, Slayer. And it's, we're, we're talking about Christian rock. Talk about tourniquet. <laughs> um, well, tourniquet is, you know, they, you know, but we're even talking about Striper. Right, Striper, very <laughs> Christian, like '80s metal, and they would say, uh, they, "Well, and what peep this person said, and I don't know if you remember the, where the origin of this is. What they said was, 
Well, they're technically saved, but it's not a quality salvation. Yeah. What? They're, they're last still living I, last in sin. I, last I, well, here's the thing, right, though, is salvation, if you go back to this sort of, you know, accept Jesus and, and you're going to heaven kind of idea, can you? how do you, like, go only halfway to heaven? Like, like it, you're either you're either like the, the last I checked, and I and, and I'm not sure exactly where. So, please forgive me if throughout the rest of the podcast, if I cite scripture, I will probably not get the uh, specific address right. Um, interestingly enough, in the initial Bible, there was not a chapter and verse thing that was an adder after the fact thing. But in like Ephesians somewhere, it talks about you know. Uh, through or uh, by faith alone, through grace alone. So, like, there's nothing you can do to make yourself more saved, according to this idea. And I think that, like, that there's something to be said for that. There's a different level of maturity of 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 living life, but the idea of saying, "Well, it's not a quality salvation," that's that shows a disconnect from reality, and, and it shows that there's a. And and this is not restricted, I think, to Christianity by any means. I think this is people where we have our stated beliefs that oftentimes are wildly different than our actual practice. And unfortunately, at least in our sphere, I think there was more of a uh, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing in terms of these are our beliefs, but when we actually live them out, they actually get played out this way. Yep. I think a big part of it comes down to tribalism and wanting to feel like you're in control of something. Um, everybody wants to feel like they belong. And part of the way that they do is they come up with these belief systems that your group believes. And there, there's a lot of little dissonances in them. Uh, with things like, you know, in, in one aspect of the Bible, say that oh, God is the only one who knows the hearts of men. And, you know, God will allow somebody to be saved, like the, the sinner on the cross who, you know, moments before he died, you know, changed his way. And God's like, oh, cool, you're fine. Uh, but then in other aspects, it'll say, you'll know, you'll know people by their fruits. And so it creates this judging game where, uh, and this is a, a, a problem I don't want to say a problem. This is a, one of it was the a difficulty for you, probably at least. Well, it's it's a dynamic that I didn't really like, especially um, about my parents, because it always seemed like there was a a holy judging game, like who's the real Christian, and the the bar that you judged people by was was moving, and so there's there's no winning this game. Um, oh right, like the, like the 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 marker or the litmus test was always it was never a solidly established line. Or solidly yeah. established, it was always, well, you're not where we are. You're not as holy as we are, so that means it's not really as you're not as mature as we are, and so that means you need exactly. To- uh, and it, it becomes a, a a hierarchy of I don't know holier than thouness is the best way I can describe it. And it's, it's something that I think is very distasteful. Um, and I've said many times when it comes to Christianity, if you believe in and, and act like Christ did, I'm totally cool with that. Because Jesus in the book that I have actually read from cover to cover three which times. many Christians haven't, who, who which, actually say <laughs> that, who actually say that, oh, the Bible's the word of God. Well, have you read it all? Well, and, and that's the thing is, is and, and I read yes, the Bible I have. Yes, I cover have. to cover <laughs> three times. And that's actually the reason that 
that started the catalyst of me not believing, which is again, irony, but, um, I, I don't remember where I was going. You with were that, talking but, about the, the disconnect in terms of the, the moving line and yeah. Um, there's just a, uh, I don't a, a mentality of being right. It's a, it's a, an, a, almost like an authoritarian type of viewpoint where the focus is on being right about everything and feeling like you've got uh, the truth, like you know what it is, and the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you, and other people just you know are living in sin if they don't agree with you, or or whatnot. Again, it's that it's that scapegoat. Well, and and you kind of and this is the thing that I. I... I kind of want to have this still be more productive rather than it's just griping about Christianity because we, while oh. we're talking about our experience, that's fine. Um, and we'll get to, I, I think that at least with the way I inter, if Christianity is done right, it's about you connecting with God and loving other people, not be necessarily arguing somebody into it. Because if you argue somebody into it, then you're manipulating somebody into it. And and while you there's a difference between kind of art talking about the reasonableness of your position that's that's totally fine, but getting to the point where you are trying to, it, it almost seems like it's a like a sales pitch, right? Like do you, do you um, I'm trying to remember. Did you ever meet Dan Kimball? He was like the the Graceland guy. Did you ever yeah, go to name, Graceland once or twice? N- name rings a bell. Yeah, it was yeah. over at Santa Cruz Bible. They they ended up and he wrote a cool book. Um, was uh, I think it's called "Why They Like the Why They Love Jesus but Don't Like the Church" was his his book. He's he's a pretty mm-hmm. he's pretty legit. Like I would say, on the conservative theology wise side of like being a cool pastor overall, at least last time I remember. But one of the things he he was speaking at this pastors conference, and he was talking about um, you know how he goes in and and has coffee with people who aren't Christians and, and, you know, how he, 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 he spends time. He, like, he was talking about his experience work going to the gym and talking, getting a conversation with this woman that was showing around the gym that worked there. Uh, Cause she had a Susie and the Banshees t-shirt on and they were talking about music. And, you know, um, by the way, he is a sick drummer and he shared practice space with them with, uh, they shared practice space with the misfits when Glenn Danzig was in the band. So that instantly <laughs> kind of gives him some, some extra little things there, but, That's great um, cool. but at one point, uh, somebody raised a hand cause he was basically speaking to all these older pastors who wanted to kind of know how to, to reach kind of hip young people, whatever. And the, somebody asked him, well, when, do, when do you close the deal? He's like, what do you mean? When, when do you, when do you, do you, do you lay it out, lay it out for him? When do you, when do you, when do you share the, like, I am sharing the gospel with them. I'm being loving and I'm building mm-hmm. relationships with them and I'm interacting with them as a human being. And, and it just, people started getting up and walking out and he was, he's, it's amazing because he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't leading them through the sinner's prayer within like the first 15 minutes or whatever. I mean, like I'm exaggerating a little, but yeah, it's like, at what point, like, like if basically the only reason you, and I had this, this is a really difficult time. Like there sets up an us and them situation where the only reason you're ever friends with non-Christians. And even that, is, uh, I like, the, I hate the way that's 
people who don't share your faith is to get them as part of the team. Yep. And it's, I, I prefer the term heathen personally, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's sort of, I, I, um, and, and this was, that this is why, even though I would still like, as much as I say, I'm a Christian, probably I'm a Christian probably because I still leave room for doubt, but I would, I would still say, you know, as far as we get right down to it, I, I am, but it's why I have such a difficult time with church and Christian culture as it gets played out, certainly in the U.S., is yep. there's a giant disconnect where we treat people like projects rather than actual people and let God be the one that works in their heart. That We're kind of trying to play God. We're like, I'm not going to help you to conform to the image of Christ. I'm going to make sure you conform to the image of my interpretation of, of what Christ is and I'm, you know, and if you don't do it, then you're not really saved. And it's like, what? Yep. That's not, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Even if you take the conservative side of things. Yeah. And, and that's actually what I was, what I was trying to remember when I, you know, fell off the, the bus here was that I was saying that, you know, the, the biblical stories of, of Christ are pretty fantastic. Um, I, I love the, the, I mean, I don't want it sounds disrespectful when I say the character of Christ. Because no, I'm, you know, but I mean, if he's a, speaking, if it's a story, I mean, that's fine. Um, but the, the, the stories of, of Jesus and what he did are fantastic. It, it seems like a wonderful way to live. And the people that live to be Christ-like, like imitating the, the person of Christ in, in the Bible, are, are wonderful. Um, and so I, I have no issue with anybody that wants to be Christ-like, period. Um, and in fact, it's it's interesting because I went to a you know a car meet. I drove like five states apart um, to meet with a bunch of car enthusiasts, and I didn't know anybody there. And at one point on the first day, we all like parked our cars and we're watching the sunset. And I was just kind of standing there by myself because I didn't know anybody. And this dude came up to me and he was like, hey, brother, I'm Jason. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm Josh. And like, uh, shook my hand, gave me a little hug and wanted to know about me and was just extremely amazing. Like it really set the tone and the highlight of the whole thing. Um, Made you feel part of I, the whole car community and whatnot. And totally. It was, it was a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And then afterwards, you know, I, you know, added him on Facebook and got to talk to him and he is a youth pastor. Um, that's what he does. And we could not <laughs> believe Speak, further Especially apart considering things. even just a, we haven't even scratched the surface of all the, the, the weirdness of, of our little circle, but. And it, we, I, I can tell you right off the hair out the gate, we have very different ideas on life and values and whatnot. But what I know is that the love he had for a complete stranger was Christ-like. Yeah. Like he is living that life, even if we disagree on everything else. And that's where I think if everybody could stop trying to be right or biblical and be Christ-like, that, that would be pretty nifty because that, I think people that truly try to act and imitate like Jesus Christ did in the, in the book ends up being pretty cool. I like those people. They're genuine. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting that the, the part that kind of got me to kind of relent in my, cause I had a lot of anger towards God 
because, you know, at the time that I was dabbling with Satanism and, and kind of like, well, f- fuck church and everything. Um, granted, I was 15, so I was incredibly mature. Uh, <laughs> but also, I was in the process of losing my eyesight. And I saw a lot of people who sort of like made assumptions about me because of my physical health <sighs> and, and sort of the, the, the thought process I had in my head and, and sort of at, at the time, and I'm fairly convinced of this still, but you know, divinely inspired or whatever the case may be is, are you going to let the assholes that are poor representations of Jesus keep you from interacting with Jesus? Yep. And that was, that was a pretty significant thing. Um, and, and this is the thing that keeps me from being, uh, I, don't know, I guess, a little bit more Bill Maher-like. I actually think Bill Maher is incredibly intelligent and hilarious a lot of the time, but he's kind of a dick. Oh, he's uh, an absolute dick. But he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, most, a lot of the time, anyway. Um, but the thing that keeps me from being antagonistic is the fact that people are imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that this is – it's interesting that um, – because it's real easy – to, to kind of look at the, the things. I mean, like I remember one time, you remember I used to hang out at, down at uh, Elm Street Mission, downtown Santa Cruz and help out with food. I mean, you even came down and hung out and, and yeah. uh, you know. Very memorable time for yeah, me. Yeah, it was some cool stuff. Dude, I, I hung out with a bunch of like, I did I played band in sort of like this hippie Space Jam worship band for a bunch of like uh, Messianic Jews. It was like <laughs> kind of fun actually. And um. For those of you who don't know what Messianic Jews are, they're essentially people who hold to sort of a very Jewish way of things, um, maybe even actually were originally Jewish before and have now, uh, you know, accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Some people would say they're not Jews anymore, but I'm, maybe we'll have my my uh, my friend uh, Amanda on to talk about the difference between Jews and Christians someday. Uh, but um, – it was it was a really cool experience and and I even like preached a couple of times. I'm not a pastor, but I like I got up and I I remember having people after I was already blind basically saying, "Oh, you have a demon." Because you're blind. I'm like, "Come on, you guys." And the thing is is it, this actually made me struggle because I started I went back to it for every so often. I'd be like, oh, when I get my sight back, I got to believe that I'm going to get my sight back. And I would would spend like six months or a year focusing on going to like healing conferences and getting laid my hand, you know, hands being laid on me. And it was, and and I, I was, if I didn't want somebody to pray for me, I was treated as if, oh, well, you're not really safe. You really, this is really is a, uh, like a, a demon thing or whatever. And it's just, it, and, and sort of that pressure to perform, like if you're in that world, there's sort of that, if you're in any kind of visible level of service, which is why I feel so bad for Glenn because he was genuine. Um, That if you're any kind of Christian service, a lot of times, at least in cons- more conservative circles. And I think this is the case in a lot of places too. And, and if you're in any position of prominence that you have to be a true believer, otherwise it's you're not real 
like like expressing doubt or um, struggling is not okay. And that if you don't want prayer from somebody, it's not because you think they're creepy and you don't know if they wash their hands, which is oftentimes the case. It's that you you don't believe in God. You must not really be be a Christian. You must not really love Jesus if you don't want me to pray for you. And it, you know, oftentimes that's not really said. But I'm sure you, you've seen it with me. Like you've been around when people have been very pushy about praying for me. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I heard several times that if you have doubts, it's the devil whispering in your ear, and his demons trying to guide you away from from righteousness and. Is God's power of salvation so fragile? Evidently. Evidently. Um, and I think this is this is kind of a, a thing I was thinking about um, in my own sake, and I'm kind of monologue, not so much a dialogue here, but is um, you, you've heard, I'm sure, a bunch of times, and we probably even sang like worship songs in church about God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? We're supposed to have, but you know, a sound mind. But you look at how, you know, I I, I kind of came to a position in the last couple of years where I don't want to live my life based out of fear anymore. And I did that in a lot of cases when it came to surfing, when it came to to um, skateboarding and martial arts and, and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of what I will allow myself to explore. Right, like in terms of, of fear that, well, what if you, what if I do something and somehow I'm, I'm that's not Christian enough, and or I, I doubt. What if my doubt makes me, me not, you know, like I think Glenn, uh, not Glenn, um, Pendulette is fucking hilarious. He's one of my, he's like probably one of my favorite atheists on the planet. But the me too. F- <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, I think you were the one who recommended I check out his book. God, no, right? Oh yeah. My, by the way, my favorite, just so you guys like to, my favorite, one of my favorite things about that book is the way he handles it when somebody sneezes. <laughs> if, he, if you sneeze, he doesn't say, bless you, obviously, because he's an atheist. He says, that's funny. And if somebody sneezes a second time, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it was um, like, I, I really started thinking about the character of God. And this whole idea of if if God's really a loving God, if you really believe, yeah, of course. But if if you struggle, if you doubt, if you if you kind of just aren't convinced, and that's the reason that you get sent to hell, does that it doesn't seem the, the, the fact that you're unconvinced, that doesn't seem particularly uh, loving. Yeah, and I, I don't recall, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't recall ever reading once in the Bible where it said you're, you're screwed if you ask questions. Like, I think that's a man-made bullshit right there. I don't remember that being in the book. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that either. I think that there's a lot of people who talk, and I think this is where you get people who who zero in on certain passages a lot. I think people get fixated on that too, because like you look at the the political environment. This is like another; it's like the same thing, but just in a different shape. Um, but the, there's this concept 
even though this basically all sins can be forgiven, you know, like, like it doesn't matter what you did, you know, you can, you can accept Christ. You can be Adolf Hitler on your deathbed. You can accept Christ and, and, and he'll wash away that sin. Um, there's this concept that's talked about in a lot of Christian circles called the idea of the unforgivable sin or blasphemy against the Holy spirit. And it's, it's somewhat ambiguous as to what that actually is. And it, it, it's, it, it sort of this, like it, even though people say, Oh, well, you know, once saved, always saved. There's sort of this, like, at least that, at least in our circle, that was a, that was a thing. I got to stop myself from using Christianese terms. Um, <laughs> Yet, if you did this one thing, and nobody really exactly knew what it was, but if you did this one thing, well, then you're, then you're not saved anymore, and it's worse for you. I, I but it doesn't. It's not clear what that is in, in by scripture anyway. Yeah, and it was even more confusing to me because you get into things like predestination and and all that, and you're just like, huh? So wait, the loving God who created hell already planned for some people to go there regardless before they were even born just leads to more questions and right and you're not allowed to ask those questions and you better be sure that i ask those questions because it's like i want to know the answer i'm genuinely concerned here like you're telling me that there's a chance i was predetermined to not be a follower and, and go to hell i want to know what that criteria is like i i want to understand how the system works that's who i am um I don't know. I, I, I think so. So basically for, for there's a really cool book actually that I read. I, I, I don't know going all over the place on this, but um, it was, what is it? I don't remember what that was. The whole idea, the, the subtitle of it was why defending scripture has made us unable to read it. Where we get so fixated on a particular interpretation that we can't even just explore it and kind of figure it out. Like we're, we're like to the point where we're not open to the fact that we might be wrong about it. Um, what what's your, your your take on on some of the the um, where things are going now? Like what 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 are some of the? I mean, you have this guy uh, that you met at the car thing. What some of the things that you also see now, like what, as far as like your negative experience with Christianity and 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 our particular thing, what are the things that you that still actually give you strength from it, if any? Yeah, I think it really comes down to the people, um, and this is kind of a blanket statement that I think goes across all religions in general. Is just that it's the people. I think people decide who they want to be and whether or not you gravitate towards a belief system that I may or may not agree with, you could be a, a genuine person and a loving person and be Christian, or you could be an asshole and you could be do horrible, horrible things. And I know I got plenty of uh, enough examples <laughs> of, of both of those things. Yeah. Um, or you could be Muslim and be a wonderful, wonderful person or an asshole. And so I think it comes down to, people are more inclined to get out of what they're reading and what they believe based on who they are. And so when I look at all of the, the different things that, you know, I went through growing up, there were some great, great, great things. And there were some really negative things. And I try to separate, you know, 
or I try to not to pigeonhole things into like belief buckets, like, oh, Christian bad, you know, Christian good. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about the, the, the you remember the, the, the sketches after the Napster thing came out? Yeah. Metallica Napster good, bad. Napster bad. <laughs> That's probably why I say it that way. It's probably had that much of an effect on me. Um, by, by the way, I actually think Lars got way too much shit for that thing. I think he actually was far more re- – in retrospect, as an older guy, it, he actually had a point. It, hearing their side of it afterwards, I, I completely agree. Um, At the time, we were like like you know rebels and we're like, fuck yeah. you. You don't understand where music's going. Well, no, dude. You guys are freaking yeah. like stealing my shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean they had they had heard a song that was currently being mixed in the studio – that was leaked online and they were like, what the fuck? And so, yeah, uh, perspective is everything. Um, but see, I, I, I try not to pigeonhole or make assumptions and bring it down to people. And you either are loving and you want to make people better or you're toxic uh, or you're somewhere in the middle, obviously, you know, there's gradations of everything, but um, it doesn't bother me if you hold any religious belief, because you could hold that belief. And again, you could be a great person or you could be an asshole. So ironically, I judge people by the fruits. <laughs> so, you, is... so, you, so you actually end up living out that whole, you will know somebody by their fruits then. Oh, it's like, oh. I, yeah, it's, and I know, I, irony, I love it. Um, <laughs> but this is where I think there there are a lot of poetic and beautiful lessons to be learned in in things like the Bible. There's also a lot of horrible things, and you know we could turn this podcast into some very negative. But um, I don't think we need to go down that road on on a list of why I don't like the Bible. Um, but that's just it. As I think that's what it comes down to is that good people want to do good things, and they're going to read the same text and get something good out of it. And bad people, and again, I'm using broad terms, but assholes are going to read the same text and get something completely different out of it, and they're going to live their life the way they're going to live it. So who are you as a person is what matters to me. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of where, I mean, that's all you can know for sure is your experience. You know, and I, I think this, um, I, I was actually, the, the another thing I was thinking about that book, and, and if I can fi- figure it out before we release the episode, maybe I'll put the link in the show notes um, uh, to the Goodreads page. But the 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 thing that what was really cool about this book is that you, you get a lot of, really troubling passages in, um, you know, kind of the old Testament Hebrew scriptures, whatever, you know, particular designation you want to use. We talk about according to the, the, the story, God is prescribing wholesale genocide. And yet God's supposed to be loving. And so on the one hand, there might be a, a way in which somehow it's loving to kill women, children, and, and animals and anything connected to a civilization. Uh, I struggle with that. What did the animals do? But <laughs> they look too sexy, Josh. Well, I could, I could tell you the answer that uh, my mom gave me for that, which was terrifying. Um, oh dear. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll diverge there. Cause there's <laughs> tell me please. <laughs> so uh, probably five years ago or so, um, I was having a conversation with my mom, who is very much religious uh, in the Christian faith. And, you know, she was trying to, you know, convert me over to the, to trying the light to bring, side Trying to again. bring you back, if you will. Um, yeah. And 
Um, I'm I'm open. You know, I don't want to hear the same thing. Like my my whole point is, if you have something new to bring to the conversation, by all means. Hey, Let, you re- discuss, you realize that but, somebody is going to reach out to both of us and try to, you know, we're going to get like some pastor or something who just happens to stumble upon this episode in six months and be like, let me talk to you guys. Yeah, that's cool. It, it, hey, I'm not I'm not closed off. If you can bring new new information, has come to light, man. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you can if you can share something that I did not see or I had a odd perspective on, go for it. Just and by the that, way, if you can't, if you do have a rug that really ties the room together, I'm much more likely to listen to the new information. The new information <laughs> that has come to light. <laughs> but uh, just just know that I I have read the book. I've talked to a lot of people. I've done quote soul searching. Um, so you're going to have to do a little more than standard tropes with, with trying to convince me, but I'll hear you out. So I am really curious about this animal thing with your mom. Oh yeah. So, (laughs) um, so she wanted to know, you know, to convert me over. And I told her that cause we'd had to talk about morality and she said, you know, morality comes from the Bible and you cannot have good people if they don't have morality as God is the baseline and gave us the, the the bar. So if somebody's never read the Bible, they can't be good? Essentially. Um, or they're, you know, inadvertently acting uh, with with God, you know, traits, whatever. <laughs> um, and so I said that I, I posited that the Bible is a horrible example of morality. Um, and she's like, well, like what? And I brought up the same example you did, which is like, hey, you know, uh, so there, there's land and whatnot, and just because God says you're supposed to have it, go out and murder not just the men, but the women and the animals. And the children, too, you know. And, like, everything. Like, decimate everything. And I'm like, that's just, that, that's crazy. That, that's, that's pure genocide. I'm like, not to mention that this is an all-powerful God who created this system. He could have just, like, roped off the land to begin with and said, hey, you go here, you go here. But we the that's a side point. Um, and she said that, you know, that the animals uh, had been sexually raped and had diseases and that they needed to die. And that when God. What, that, what evidence you, is there to indicate any of that, even scriptural evidence of that? Yeah, well, and that to <laughs> me is OK, kind of silly, but OK. Um, but what's really scary to me was she said that back then. When you heard the audible voice of God commanding you to do something, you do it. And I'm like, so if you so, have schizophrenia, how do you tell the difference? And and, and this is why. And I said, okay, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. I want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying because I wasn't just going to let this go. Oh, okay. Um, I said, so you're telling me that back then, when God the Father was more evidently directly present, because after you know Jesus died, he, I guess, just decided to stop saying hi to people. Um, <laughs> When God the Father was present and gave you an audible command, you go do it. Even if that means go kill all those people, their animals, everything. And she said, yes, you, because, you know, God is commanding you and he is the all-knowing, all-powerful being or something to that extent. I'm paraphrasing. Right. And I basically said, okay, I hear what you're saying. We have nothing more to talk about. I said, our morals differ so greatly. We have a, a divide. I cannot, I, I will not agree with you. Um, I think that is a horrible example of how to live your life and a horrible example of morality. And we're just, the gap's too far. This is something that we, we can't meet on the middle. I just disagree. And that I was like, that's that. I mean, there's, you're not going to ever convince me that 
if you hear an audible voice telling you to do something, including murder people, you should do it. No, and, that's a symptom of mental illness is what that is. And I think what's interesting to me is the shocking level of um, candor in that statement. Like, I, I don't know if I could say something like that and not hear my own words be like, hmm, uh, this is, uh, I don't know if I like what I'm saying here. Like, I don't, well, and, and, but that's the belief. Yeah. Um, well, and the thing is, you know, for those of you who've never been around this sphere of Christianity before, this isn't like a small group of people. No. And, and this is generally a woman who is very loving. Oh, dude, she, would, she like, she was take all, care of other people. Dude, when I came in, like, cause she knew that I had, you know, at the time, like I had things were weird for me with my dad because of all the shit I went through with my stepmom. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I'm a adult survivor of child abuse and my, my dad has since moved on, but, um, and my, my dad wasn't the one directly involved, but it was sort of an enabling situation there. And I, I had a lot of problems <laughs> and yet, you know, even in their very conservative kind of way, uh, your, your folks were super accepting, and your your mom especially was really accepting of of me and my mother, even with our weirdness. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not uh, toxic people in general, but there's a, an aspect of their core belief system that it's like you get a pass for certain things, and. Uh, like I said, I guess cognitive dissonance is the best way of describing it. Because if it was any other situation, there's no way that they'd be like, yeah, sure. Like if we were like, hey, we should go, you know, invade Lithuania and kill everybody because, you know, God told us. They'd be like, no, that's crazy. But because it's a biblical story, it's like it, it gets that logic passed. Yeah. It's like, nope, that was God. That's the way it works. But of course, God would never say that now. Well, well I guess it's odd. Well, here's an interesting thing, too, right? Um I was thinking about this and it's funny. I like, I hear myself saying things and I, I hear myself using the same words and to, to transition all the time. Uh, that's why I can only sometimes listen back to episodes of the podcast. One of the cool things that was in that book that where it was talking about, you know, these experiences, you know, these passages in the Bible where, you know, God commands, apparently God commands the, the killing of all the Canaanites and the, and the Jebusites and all the different sites of who knows. Um, that it may have not actually played out that way. And it may be that the Bible is written by the people who went through it, and they're not necessarily saying that there's there's more of a – that the Bible is more about story than mm-hmm. it is about being accurate. So, so in the sense that if you actually go back and look at some of the, the archaeological evidence on some of this stuff that – it may not have really actually played out the way that it's that it's described in terms of how the you know basically Israel took possession of the land and all the different stuff and um, but that given the 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 culture of the region talking about it in terms of conquest it's kind of like uh, are, are you familiar with uh, the band Manowar? Oh yeah, like it's sort of like. It, you know, or like pro wrestling, right? It's a, it's like pro wrestling where you have this thing that's happened and, and there might be some level of truth to it, or there might be some poetic way of describing like, you know, you listen to like, basically metal is a great example because there's the over the topness, right? There's the yeah, st- stories. Yeah. Stories and sensationalism and that it's sort of their sort of poetic way of explaining this is 
what happened. We took possession of land and we fought. And, you, you know, Israel by and large was not a particularly warlike country, but they, you know, they, they, that was the lens by which they saw the world. Yeah. And so that's the lens or the kind of the colorization or the, the shading that they gave their story as they told it back. Um, and, and maybe, maybe it's not a hor- it's a horrible book if we're going to use it as prescriptive. Maybe, maybe the, a lot of the Bible isn't so prescriptive as much as here's its wisdom literature. Let's see what happened in it, and let's let's try to find out the deeper point rather than just taking an a, a didactic approach to what's written there on every single tiny molecular level. Yeah, and I came to kind of my own conclusion um, of a, of a very similar nature, which is when I, I look at stories. Um, like with with Isaac and, and Abraham and uh, I believe it was Abraham, you know. Oh, you're, while, you're, you're talking about you're talking about uh, yeah, where he basically was going to sacrifice them on the pile of wood. Yeah, yeah, that, so, that was it. Yeah, yeah. If you're Muslim, so, it was Ishmael, but if you're Jewish or Christian, it was it's Isaac. Yes, that's that's another irony. <laughs> when I started reading the Quran and realized how much of it was very familiar, um, but no, when you have the story of like the the story of Isaac and if you look at it from today's context, so we have a, you know, an all knowing God who was basically challenging loyalty, but he's omniscient and omnipresent and he already knows the outcomes. So he basically tortured this dude to the point where he was going to actually murder his son. Like if we looked at by today's sense, we're like, dude, you just introduced PTSD. You just traumatized the fuck out of this guy for nothing. And it makes no sense. But if you look at it from a different perspective, okay, well, this was a, a message about loyalty, um, about you know having a, a societal right. hierarchy. It might not have actually it, played out this way, but if you use this as the extreme example of the story, this is the principle that's trying to be taught. Yeah, the principle is loyalty from a you know very surface level. And that's why I kind of came to that same conclusion, which is like, to me, the Bible is a bunch of stories that we're at the time to try to create some kind of a semblance of order in a tribe uh, of people that were on the same page that taught some kind of basis for loyalty um, and the, the values of the time. And to me, it shows that over and over and over. Uh, and people may disagree with me, but to me, it's, that's just how I see it. It's like, that makes sense to me. Well, and that is keeping with, so my, my Kempo instructor was actually on the podcast in an earlier episode. Um, I think after you were on, um, and, uh, my apologies to anybody who's hearing my other computer fan on that. I didn't turn off. I don't know if that's coming through on the recording here, but I could put the microphone up. It reminds me of your overclock computer that you used to have where you had like a, a like a, a processor that was overclocked by like, like another doubling or so just so you could play your games faster. Yeah. To, to squeeze out <laughs> an extra few frames. Uh, and gee, I wonder why you always had IRQ conflicts. Um, Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, where was I going with that? Uh, you were talking about the Kempo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the yes. things he talked about, which I think is a really in- interesting concept. So, so Scott Conway, who's um, who was my, he was also my pastor for quite a number of years. And one of the things that was actually pretty neat, if you go back and you look, as you're you're talking about a society trying to be built. Right. If you look at a lot of the cultures surrounding kind of like proto-Israel, basically early Hebrews, um, there was a lot of uh, 
you know, the gods, you know, if, if you have good harvest, you need to do the sacrifice. If you have bad harvest, you need to do the sacrifice because the same interpretation of this thing happening means that either God's angry or God's happy with you. Um, but, you, you know, so you might as well give more just to make sure that God's pleased with you or God's not angry with you. And as one of the things that he talked about, which is a pretty interesting point, uh, valid point, because we get really frustrated with the very strict structure of like Leviticus and some of the other like kind of like as minute as it gets on some of that stuff where if you do this thing, then you need to offer the sacrifice. If you do it this way, then you're okay. But if you do it this way, then you die. Um, having reliable standards, consistent standards at the time was extremely freeing based on all evidence that, that I had at the time. And it seemed like he was making a pretty decent point that having structure is not necessarily a bad thing. And when you're trying to build a society, you're going to make certain choices. Um, and then, you know, so maybe it's not as awful, at least in some respects. And you, so, so I, I kind of take back and I look at some of the precepts they had about things like shellfish and pork and stuff like, you know, did you ever notice that there wasn't refrigeration in, you know, several hundred years BC, a couple <laughs> thousand years BC, you think? M- missing some ice. Yeah, yeah you think, I mean, dude, I got food poisoning from carnitas this week. It was refrigerated. It was cooked. I still felt like shit. But I bet it was so delicious. It actually wasn't that great. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry then. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, can you imagine though, if you didn't have interpret? I mean, because let's, let's be real. <laughs> You know, Jules was right. Pig is a filthy animal. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I've heard the same uh, the same kind of uh, idea as well. And like they they needed a reason to come up with rules like that because they didn't have ways of preparing things without getting sick and, and so forth. And so my only my only question after you know looking at all of these various things is like, okay, well, how much of this do you need? Do we need to believe in the entire, if you believe their mythologies, the entire mythological structure? Or can you just pick and pull from the things that you like uh, that make sense? And then it comes back to my idea of, well, you're going to take from it what you want to take, and you're going to either enrich your life or you're going to make it worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, hoping this conversation has been, you know, uh, to whatever extent we continue, that it's been illuminating because you know it's hard for me and josh because josh and i there's so much shorthand back and forth between us in terms of what we've experienced and 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 all our, our personal struggles i think um that with the stuff it's the stuff isn't easy and to treat it like it's simple does a disservice to people and it i almost would say that is using god's name in vain and 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 one aspect of if you're treating it like it's just easy, it's not. Yeah, you 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 got to dig deeper. Um, that's not everything. So if you only stay on the surface and look at tropes, and it's just going to be divisive. Like one of the biggest things I, I like to do when I'm talking to somebody, just ask, "What do you mean by that?" Instead of just assuming I have a clue mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Um, because chances are they have a whole different perspective. Um, well, if you look at the word salvation as, com- you know, like in Buddhism, it, it, salvation, the, the, 
method of salvation is different than what it means in a Christian context. Yeah. And, I'm not a Buddhist, but I mean, <laughs> it, but. and and that's where it comes down to what what does it mean to know the truth? I I don't know, but I think we can you know talk about it and get perspective. I think we can be respectful. Like that's that's my main thing. I may not believe in the Christian faith at all, but I can certainly treat those who do and who disagree with me with respect. Unless you are doing something to harm other people or to be toxic, there's no reason why we can't have respectful discussions. And even if you are being toxic, has being disrespectful towards anybody ever actually changed that person? I'm going yeah, yeah, to like, like you go no. up to somebody and you're like, you know, if somebody comes to me, he's like, you're such a moron. Why do you believe that? I'm like, oh, you know what? You're right. I am a moron. I should agree with you. Don't think yeah. it works that way. <laughs> yeah. If, if somebody yells in my face, well, you're just angry at God. And I go, well, no, because I can't be angry at something I don't really believe in. Well, you're just angry at God. Well, okay. Well, our conversation now kind of sucks because we could have had a really good discussion about, you know, what do we actually mean by what we're saying? And, and what does it mean to you to believe in a God? And we, we could have a fruitful conversation, but instead you're just going to assume that I don't believe in something because I'm mad. Well, and, and uh, I went through a period where I was, I would say I was darn close to being an atheist. And it was, um, you and I have, unfortunately, and, I, and I'm sorry, because I know this recently happened to you. We've had people close to us that have since passed on. And, and yeah. the, the pain of that. And when for a period of time, and this is why I'm, I'm, this is where I say I'm a Christian probably because there's still this lingering doubt because it's sort of the memory of this intense period where you remember when we were hanging out a lot, even after you were kind of not sure, I was still really into Jesus and I really, you know, like, like, like intensely so where like I basically didn't do anything if it got in the way of Christian service, I basically only played in Christian bands. I only did, you know, and even when I was kind of was allowing myself to listen to not just Christian music, I was still like, I couldn't write a song that didn't have some sort of Christian component to it. Um, when, you know, a year or two ago where I thought I might be an atheist and I would not say myself that now, but when I really thought that that might've been, I wept, and mourned the loss of my relationship with Jesus because I was sad because I, at the time, could not be convinced that it was real. And I couldn't talk to anybody about that. And I, I, I don't know even know if I've actually spoken about this particularly publicly, but the idea of, of, of the intensity of grief that I had at losing that and then if somebody was to say, oh, you just, you're just angry at God, or you just, yeah. you know, you're just like, how do you know what the fuck is in my heart and what the fuck is in my mind? I was, I was really, really sad because I felt like I had lost a friend and yeah. I, I still struggle with, because of the intensity of that experience, it's hard for me to be confident in the belief that I have now. And in a lot of cases, it's not okay to talk about that if you are in any position of leadership in any kind of... So, like, 
you know, right now I'm not really doing the church thing for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I don't think it's, if I'm going to go get together with people, I'm going to get together and go surfing. I'm not going to go get together inside of a closed room where there's such a wild disconnect between reality and science. Um, and, and, and so that's why I'm not gathering in large groups of people right now for church. Um, and I, I get it for some people to source of strength for them and, and that, that's fine. Um, but it, it's like, if I was to be prominent in a church somewhere, I, there's no way I could talk about that. I would be asked to take a sabbatical at best. Yep. At best. And, and so like when, I mean, it, it's funny too, cause that came on the heels of me thinking maybe I was supposed to be a pastor. Can you imagine being a pastor and having that deep of a struggle of faith? And meanwhile, your income comes from leading people to believe in this thing that you're not sure you think is even ex- real. Like that's this whole idea of, of kind of getting your money from some source other than from teaching about the Bible is probably yeah. a good idea. Yeah, and I think there's kind of a, a movement towards spirituality because there's definitely an important aspect of people and that we kind of need to believe in bigger things than we are to be happy in a way. Um, now, whether that, you know, manifests itself in God or, or other other things, you know, can vary. And so I actually, I went to a, a church a few years ago because uh, a friend of mine was, was playing uh, keys there and I was visiting him. So I just hung out and it was an interesting experience, you know, growing up fundamental Christian, like non-denominational, blah, blah, hard rules. I went to this, this quote church service that was, you know, just a general spiritual kind of thing where it wasn't really Christian, was it not, but it was very much like a church service, but they were singing songs, but the songs weren't about Jesus, but it was about good things. And so it's this interesting paradigm where I think people in a way, in in some places are are moving away from the more stricter religious beliefs and taking the good aspects from those things, like the the community and lifting each other up and trying to create almost like a, a new religion for non-religious people. It's kind of an interesting yeah, paradigm. Well, and that to me, like that's like, I was talking to my friend Todd, right? Um, we're surfing friends and we go surfing and sailing together. And for me, like we oftentimes get together on Sunday mornings. Cause that's a lot of times, you know, just when people are off of work and that, that to me throughout this whole experience has been in many ways more spiritual because it's not filtered through somebody's didactic teaching about what this is. And I have relief from all the, I, I basically, I don't, if I'm out in the water, I'm not bringing my phone out there. <laughs> and dude, a couple times ago I went surfing, there were dolphins out there. Like, 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 <laughs> like a whole pod of them. And like 30, less than 30 feet from my board, breaching the water. But then again, of course, the, and the funny thing is, this is the crazy thing, is that if I told that story to some people in that old church that you and I used to be involved in, and I, and again, you know, feel free to email. I never actually give out the email address. Email me Joshua at Joshua, or I'm sorry, Joshua at adventuremind.net. Uh, and you can go to the the website, adventuremind.net. I, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on this stuff and, and we'll set up sort of an audio thing or whatever. Um, but if I told that story, people's like, oh, that's too new age. Dolphins are evil. I'm like, what? Dolphins are cr- part of creation. If God created everything, why is it necessarily evil? They're not hurting anybody. 
the, the idea that maybe dolphins might have some level of intelligence, you know, like my friend Jacob, who was on the podcast earlier, he had a, a thing where he almost got cra- he crashed into the, the pier during a surf contest and the dolphins were trying to keep him safe. It's not even the same fucking species. <laughs> it's not even the yeah, same they- fucking species. And, there, and, and so, but if you were to suggest that there's any level of intelligence in those dolphins, that's some sort of new age uh, deception of the enemy. Yeah. Like, and that's a real thing that people would say, you guys, I'm not exaggerating. No, no. Uh, there were plenty of people uh, when I grew up that were vehemently against Disney movies because the imagery of talking animals was blasphemous because God bestowed, you know, speech to humans. We were made in his image and to portray that image onto animals was a horrible, horrible thing. Um, so, no, I, I completely get. Well, and, and that's from. actually why they thought Narnia was so horrible. Like Narnia, which is probably the most Christian fantasy story on the planet. Apparently, that's that's because they're talking animals in it. Huh. That's funny. Well, I didn't actually think about that until now because growing up, Narnia was totally fun um, for for me. That was like a hey, you know, we're all reading Screw Tape Letters and, and Chronicles of Narnia. Screw Tape Letters is actually a dope book, by the way. Though I still I still think that's a, a pretty interesting one. Yeah, it's a certainly interesting perspective. Um, but yeah, so. Disney talking animals bad, Narnia talking animals good because it's allegorical to Christ. Ironically so. enough, uh, <laughs> all the movies from Narnia were produced by Disney, and you can stream them on your Disney <laughs> Plus subscription. Ah, back to the irony. <laughs> um, I'm not sure where to end this. Actually, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> um, but I, but I guess really, um. And I think this is really kind of the the thing that I think about, and this is why I feel like I could still call myself a Christian. Some people, depending on my level of doubt, some might people say I'm a Christian oriented agnostic, even perhaps. Perhaps, but I don't know where I'm going with the almost British accent for a second. Um, but you know, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Well, to the extent that you can believe in something bigger than yourself, and you can believe in God. You know, and that's the, that's the part that I struggle with is how confident can I be in my belief and love your neighbor as yourself. And that, that part I think I can do at least strive for because that's, that's easy to um, – because the, we see the benefit of community. We see the fighting that we have with, amongst each other. We see all the people can't just realize that you tell a joke at a comedy show that instantly they're offended and they can't realize that, oh, it's a fucking joke. Maybe I should lighten up a little bit. Um, you know, and, and try to treat people just like, like they fucking matter. Yeah. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's a better way to live. And you know, that part of what Jesus taught, that's, that's probably pretty good. Yeah. I think there's a common theme in, in most yeah. good religions, which is the golden rule. Don't be an asshole. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There, there's your closer. Don't be an <laughs> asshole. All right. Well, this has either <laughs> been an amazing episode and you guys have enjoyed it, or I'm not going to get anybody to download any future episodes. But um, honestly, You've been canceled. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but truly, honestly, the, the kind of expanding the idea of Adventure Mind of, you know, I, I say be strong and courageous. And for me, speaking openly about this kind of stuff, it's, dude, it's, it's scary. Admitting that I have such serious doubts, sharing that that grief story, I mean, dude, that's um, 
you know, I, I teach a martial art that has deep roots of Christian philosophy in the way it's it's taught. And to 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 have that and then to be so open about really thinking that I didn't believe and still struggling so much now um, in the con- the confidence in that, that's scary for me. So you guys, whatever you're, you're afraid of, you know, my, my biggest theme now, the way I live my life is I, I live for things that are good and I try to be smart about it, but I don't want to live out of reactive fear. And that's, that's, I think that was anything that in, in infects that kind of fear-based living is, is probably not healthy. And there's a difference between being prudent and being a coward. And that's a whole other discussion, but, um, I know that was the, we said that was the closer. Don't be an asshole, but you got any, any parting thoughts? No, man. I appreciate the discussion. If, if anything else, I I hope that this just shows a way where you can have a conversation and not take things personally and just discuss, learn, you know? It, it's okay to disagree, you know? Right on, man. Hey. There's love at the heart of it. Adventure is a state of mind. How you live it is up to you. <laughs>